But last week, if you remember, Pastor Cindy was in Romans chapter 7. And, you know, what we saw uh, from, from those verses was that until we become followers of Jesus and we receive the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we will be constantly whipped around by sin because it controls our life. And we really can't overcome that. But then, as she continued on into the first few verses of chapter 8, what we saw was that we can have a better way. We can live better than that. Because as followers of Jesus, we've been set free from the control of sin and the death that it brings. And we were challenged to no longer be controlled by our flesh, our human desires, but to improve our lives. To improve our lives, to have a better life, better equipped to face life's struggles and challenges that come along by living our lives with the power of the Holy Spirit and the leading of the Holy Spirit to guide our ways. So today, we're going to continue on in chapter 8, and we're going to see how the Apostle Paul encourages us to successfully navigate through these difficulties, these struggles that we will face throughout our lives. Now, just in case... Some of us aren't clear on what those struggles might be. You know, man, we have struggles with relationships. We have struggles with health, jobs, finances. Some of us have had struggles with addictions, mental health. It can get really practical, some of the challenges that people have in the struggles. It can get down to things like housing. Where am I going to live? It can be things like and maybe this even happens to some of us more as we get a few more years, you know, under our belt, okay? Uh, it can be things like we can start to have regrets about things that happened in the past or things we wish we had done differently. Uh, we can start to have more concerns about the future. We can start to even experience things like loneliness. And so we're going to face these things throughout our lives. But God wants us to do better than just get through them. God never wanted us just to just barely eke through them. Okay? God wants us to overcome them. God wants us to do way better. He wants us to overcome them by being empowered and directed by His Holy Spirit and being instructed daily by the Word of God. Okay, so let's take just a second. I want you to think, and, and for those of you that are new or still learning about South Oaks, you know, we talk here, right? We talk, okay? So uh, it's a question. What makes getting through life's struggles seem so difficult? Why is it so difficult? What do you think? Okay, we can, it can feel like we're getting picked on, so it's hard. Yeah, what else makes it hard? We're, we're dealing with it. It's hard because we're trying to do it ourselves, right? We're trying to get through it ourselves. Satan's what? A, trying Satan's trying to defeat us. Yeah. I mean, look, we, we, we have these struggles, right? And they can seem really difficult because, first of all, some of them can seem pretty big, right? Some of them can seem pretty big. Some of them, um, in fact, I mean, I, I think some people will say I, they feel overwhelming. They can feel so big, they can just feel overwhelming. And then when we, we say we try to do it ourselves, because when, when we try to solve these things ourselves, right, what we start to realize is, I'll just call it this, our own lack of resources, right? Whatever the struggle is, we, we don't 
have enough of whatever it is we need to solve the problem ourselves. Uh, well, it gets, I think it gets difficult for a lot of people because of loneliness and isolation. Sometimes we, just, we need to talk to someone. We need to, we need to share the, 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 the thing we're going through with someone. You know, some, sometimes God, I don't know, sometimes when someone will be kind enough just to listen to me all the way through my story, I think, I think God uses them. I didn't really need them to answer it. I just needed somebody to let me hear myself talk. And God starts to reveal some truth to me, <laughs> even while I'm speaking. But some things just don't happen, it seems like, until you get to say it out loud, at least for some of us. So, I mean, sometimes it really gets down to where to even start, right? Just where to even start. So, with that in mind today, let's just kind of see if we can get through this and answer the question for ourselves of, how can I do better than just get by, right? How can I overcome the struggles that I'm going to face. Okay, so the first thing that we need to do to overcome those struggles is we need to ask the Holy Spirit to guide our steps. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to guide our steps. And let's read uh, our part of our passage today. Okay, it's in Romans chapter 8. We're going to read verses 5 through 13. So Romans 8, verses 5 through 13. And it says, uh, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if the Spirit of Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit... If by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Paul makes it pretty clear that before we were followers of Jesus, we lived according to the flesh. And as a result, we were powerless to live any differently. We could try. We could have a lot of good intentions, but we just couldn't do it. But now as followers of Jesus, that old life is dead. We've been freed from the grip of sin that controlled our old life, and now we have the power of the Holy Spirit work in our lives, and God's Holy Spirit gives us the power and the ability to resist returning to our old lives. That's what the enemy wants us to do. The enemy is constantly trying to get you to go backwards. 
to go back to that old self, to that old life. But now, because you have the spirit of the living God in you, you have the Holy Spirit, you have the ability to say no to that. You have the ability to resist it. We're no longer helpless to say no to our old sinful ways. What the scripture in verse 5 called living according to the flesh. Instead, we are called to live according to the spirit. Now, what does that mean? It's used several times in this passage. What does it mean to live according to the Spirit? What do you think? Some of you have some ideas here. Living according to the Spirit. What does that mean? Following the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. That's good. Anyone have any other thought? Okay, it's right. It's, it's, in verse 5, it tells us that it's having our minds set on what the Spirit desires. In verse 6, it talks about that our mind, governed by the Spirit, produces life and peace. So what does the Spirit desire? Well, when we walk according and live according to the Spirit, it's the will of God. The Spirit desires the will of God to be done in our lives. And, it, and when we do that, it produces fruit. Galatians 5, 16 to 22. Galatians 5, 16 to 22 tells us to walk by the Spirit. To walk by the Spirit. And, you, and if you do that, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with one another. So that you are not able to do what you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Galatians 5.25 goes on to say, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So we want to live according to the Spirit. How do we do that? If we, if we really get practical, let's just, let's really get practical for a minute, okay? So, if you said, okay, I agree with that. I want to live in step with the Spirit. I want to live according to the Spirit. So what do you do tomorrow? Like, what, what, what are some things you can practically do to live that way? Start the day in prayer. That's a great way, isn't it? Gets us calibrated for the rest of the day. What else? Get into the Word. Amen. Right? I mean... Remember what David wrote in Psalm 119.1? David said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I wouldn't sin against you. I mean, let's, let's say that in a, like a daily way, okay? Yeah, sin, but I'm hiding your word in my heart so that I can follow your will, right? Because God's will isn't for us to live a sinful life. So if, if I hide your word in my heart, no matter what struggle I face, have you ever noticed I, I don't know, maybe some of you have memorized a lot of scripture in your life. Maybe some of you only know two or three. Okay, maybe, you know, so you know. 
But have you ever noticed whatever scriptures you have learned, that when you face a challenge, how sometimes the right one comes to mind? I mean, it's not even that you're thinking, oh, do I know any scriptures? It just comes to mind. I mean, that's the Holy Spirit working, pull it, bringing it out. You know, there are times, I mean, there are times even when, like, you'll, you, a, a verse will come to mind, and yeah, it'd be great if you could remember the reference, like what chapter and verse. But you know what? You know, <laughs> that's nice. But what's really important is you know God's Word, right? You can always find it. You can start Googling the part you know, and it'll pop up and tell you where it is if you want to find it. But the point is that, that when we hide God's word in our heart, right at that critical moment, the Holy Spirit will just bring something forward, and it, and it will guide us and instruct us. And sometimes it will keep us from saying something we don't need to say. Sometimes it will keep us from going somewhere we don't need to go. It will keep us from doing something we didn't need to do because now we know better. It's really practical stuff. If we want to live in step with the Spirit and walk with the Spirit, it's great. We start the day in God's Word, hiding it in our heart. We can pray and every day. Isn't it great that every day we can start fresh? We can start fresh with God, and we can say, Lord, I got some challenges today. I got some struggles. There's some stuff I'm going through, and Lord, I don't really know what to do. But you know what to do. But you know what to do. And, and Lord, I'm asking you to understand that I want to have victory over this. Not because I need to like mark up a victory. It's because I want to honor you. I want my life to honor you. I want to live a life that brings honor and glory to you. So I need victory in this in ways that would bring honor and glory to you. And then you can ask him when you're praying. Just say, Lord, please, just show me what to do. Show me that first step I should take today in dealing with that struggle. Show me, guide me on what I ought to say or what I shouldn't say. Has anybody ever seen God do that for him when you ask? Yeah, I mean, this is practical stuff. This is not just, you know, theologically interesting. This is like daily useful. Okay, living according to the Spirit is the way you can move forward in life and not keep getting drawn back by the, by the enemy into your old life. It will, it will guide you and direct you and give you a path to follow, and it will continue to give you hope. And you know what? You know, sometimes, if we're honest, right, I think some of us would say, oh, I don't even know how to pray. This... The deal I'm facing is so messed up that I don't even really know how to start. Have you ever felt that way? Yeah, we probably, if we're all honest, right, we've all felt that way. Well, you know what the really great news is? Let me read a verse for you that is the most encouraging one ever. It's Romans 8.26. It says, we don't know what we ought to pray. Well, there you go. We don't know. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Amen. Amen. Isn't that encouraging? That even when, look, so let's just, let's just go this way. Because, I mean, to me, I think that's really cool. Okay, so you know what, when, when you're facing a struggle, when I'm facing a struggle, hey, pray. Just do the best you can. God help. <laughs> Lord, I don't know what to do. Show me. Listen, if there's more words needed, the Holy Spirit's taking care of it. He's interceding for you. He knows exactly what to pray. 
what, what God isn't doing, listen, some of us, right, we, we get up in front of, you know, we, we talk, you know, in front of someone, we say something, and, and sometimes we can worry that, well, you're evaluating me. You know what I mean? You may say, I don't like what you said, or I don't agree with you, or whatever, okay? And so sometimes we can feel like, well, I want to be careful what I say because, you know, I might get criticized for what I say. Listen, when you get, a, when you get out on your knees to pray and you got to struggle and you don't know what to pray, you do the best you can because God's never going to go, well, that wasn't the right prayer, so I'm going to just sit on the sidelines and watch you suffer. No, I mean, aren't you glad we don't, we don't, we don't serve a God who's like got, a, got this checklist on prayer and unless you say the right words at the right time in the right order, he's kind of like going, well, I'm hands off on this. Till you get it right, you're on your own. No, listen, what he's looking at is he's not listening to your words, he's looking at your heart. He wants to see your heart. Okay? Man may evaluate your words. God's looking at your heart. And when God sees a heart that is open and, and, and poured out and broken before him, listen, any words you miss out on, don't sweat it. The Holy Spirit is praying on your behalf. He'll get all the words right. God knows what you need. And, and it's the intention of your heart that will drive that. If we want to get through life's struggles, right? If we want to get through life's struggles, we want to we know that, that, that God is there and that his Holy Spirit is interceding for his people according to the will of God. Hebrews 4.16 in the Amplified, great verse. It says, Therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace, that is the throne of God's gracious favor. With confidence, we can approach it with confidence and without fear so that we may receive mercy for our failures and find his amazing grace to help in time of need. Listen to this. An appropriate blessing coming at just the right moment. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that awesome? So if we want to get through life's struggles, the first thing we want to do is just to involve the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide our, our steps. The second thing in overcoming these struggles, this is a big one. You need to understand who you are. You need to understand who you are. You know, when I was much younger and, uh, you know, way more, you know, strong and in shape, you know, I used to play sports, okay? And, and I remember back when we would, it would be game day, one, one of our coaches, as we were getting ready to either go out on the field or getting on the bus to go to the out-of-town game, you know, where, but it was kind of that moment, okay? Our, our coach would always say to us, boys, remember who you are and who you represent. Remember who you are and who you represent. Why would he say that? Well, obviously, he didn't want us to do anything that would be an embarrassment to our team, or to our school, or to the community we came from. He, he wanted to help us learn and realize that we were part of something bigger and that it mattered. Our behavior mattered. Look, today, a lot of folks want to know who they are. One of the ways they try to find out is they go to the drugstore or somewhere and they buy one of those little kits, you know, and you put a little you know, spit in it or whatever the thing has you do and you mail it off with your money and it comes back and it, it tells you something about who you are. 
tells you maybe where you came from. Uh, people want to, you know, look back four, five, six generations and maybe find somebody cool. <laughs> you know, find out something about themselves. Uh, why do they do that? Because people want to feel like I'm not alone. That I've got, I've got a heritage. I, I've, I'm, I'm a part of something. I'm a part of something bigger. And maybe when I learn that, it'll inspire me to, you know, to to do better, to do more, to to live up to whatever it is I think I'm a part of. Fact is, knowing who you are and where you come from and who you represent is a big part of life's kind of framework that impacts about how we think and how we feel about ourselves and what we might believe it's possible for us to accomplish. Followers of Jesus need to know the same thing. We need to know who we are. Romans 6.11 told us to count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God. We need to understand what our spiritual heritage is. We need to understand what our standing is within the family of God. Have, have you ever heard somebody around church say, well, you know, I'm just a wretched old sinner saved by grace. You ever heard something like that? Okay. Well, it, it sounds humble. Okay. But I would offer that maybe somebody who doesn't really understand who they are. Okay. They clearly understand who they were. They clearly understand who they were, but maybe not who they are today. Because 2 Corinthians 5.17 is a big promise for us. It says, therefore, if you're in Christ, that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, then you're a new creature. You're a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. Old things, previous moral and spiritual condition, have passed away. And behold... New things have come because spiritual awakening brings new life. So as a follower of Jesus and a member of the family of God, you say, well, what does that mean? You know, who, who are you? Well, verse 14 in the scripture passage we, we read says, well, we're children of God. We're adopted into sonship. We can call God Abba, Father. We're God's children. We're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Let's read that. Starting in verse 14, Romans 8, starting in verse 14. It says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba. Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're children, we're heirs. And if we're heirs of God and we're co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So who are you? You're a child of the king. You're a child of the king. You're loved beyond measure, and you're empowered by the Holy Spirit to reject sin and to pursue holiness. That's why Paul wrote in Ephesians 4.1, he said, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Just like my coach said, remember who you are and who you represent.
You want to get through life's struggles. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to guide your steps. And you need to understand who you are. Who you are. Finally, to get through life's struggles, I want to encourage you. We need to claim God's promises, his purpose, and his protection over our lives. Let's read about that. Romans 8, verses 18 to 39. Romans 8, verses 18 to 39. It says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be, will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as the pains of childbirth, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship and the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But we hope for what we do not yet have. We wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself uh, prays and intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And, who, and he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? It is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Verse 18 in the Amplified, Romans 8 verse 18 says, For I consider from the standpoint of faith, that the sufferings of this present life are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is about 
to be revealed in us. We need to claim God's promises, as we said. This promise of future glory, this hope of future glory, is one that most of us, I don't think, we really think about, and we may not even fully appreciate. As followers of Jesus, Scripture teaches us that the world we live in, as followers of Jesus, is no longer our home. It's no longer our home. We have become strangers and aliens in this world. But a day is coming when all the effects of sin will be removed and the world will be renewed and restored to flourish as God created it. Revelations 22 speaks of a new heavens and a new earth that we will inhabit. But for today, we live in a world that's frustrated by sin. So we live in hope for a future day. And I'm pretty sure that most of us would agree that to get through times, even like we're going through right now with a pandemic and with the economy and all the other struggles and challenges that we face in our lives, that it's a good thing to have hope. We need hope. We need to believe that things can be better and life will not always be just as it is. Verses 24 and 25 remind us of another promise also. It says that our patience will be rewarded. Verse 24 and 25 says that hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But we hope for what we do not yet have, and we wait for it patiently. Remember, this is a big thing. We've got to always remember. Scripture, Paul, nowhere does it promise followers of Jesus that your life is going to be easy. Now, we'd all like that, right? We would all like it to become followers of Jesus and just everything, everything just starts sorting itself out. That's just not how life is, is it? In fact, in the verses we read a moment ago, it was made clear that we live in a cursed world. Satan is the prince of this, uh, of this world today, and he is the enemy of our souls. The followers, for followers of Jesus, though, the good news is that this won't last forever. A better day, a glorious day is coming, and that's cause for hope. Look, aren't you thankful that in, even in the middle of our most difficult struggles, you can have hope? You can have hope. So claim it. Claim it and hold on to that hope every day. The other thing you can do when you face struggles is you can claim God's purposes to be accomplished in your life. That's verse 28, one that a lot of us know. Maybe you've got that one memorized, okay? Because it says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. When you're living your life in a way that honors God, even when the enemy tries to intervene and knock you off course, God can redeem those stumbles. But let's just be clear. This promise applies to followers of Jesus who are trying, at least, to live in alignment with the Word of God. Simply put, you know, if you're involved in a sinful activity, like if, you know, back in school, if you're a student, right, and you cheat on a test, you can pray, and will God forgive you? Yes, God will forgive you, won't he, if you ask him to. But you still get an F. You still get an F on the test because you cheated. Sin has consequences. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Sin leaves scars. But 
we serve a God that can take even those failures in our life and redeem them when we give them to him. He can redeem them in ways that bring about his glory and his honor. I'm really glad. Maybe, you, maybe you've never done it. I've made a few wrong turns in my life. I've gotten off course a time or two. Can anybody recognize that path? Yeah, okay. But aren't you thankful that when, when you kind of accidentally hit that off-ramp and you get off of God's path, that he didn't say, well, you know, you've already had three misses. I'm done with you. No, you come back to him one more time and say, God, I've, I've, I've messed up here. I need your help. And you know what? Yeah, you may, you can still be a price, right? Their sin has, pays wages. And, and I can still, if I cheat, I can still fail the test. But God can still redeem my life and bring things about. And he can still use me. And he can still use you no matter where we've come from. I'm thankful. I'm thankful to know that we can live our lives in ways and that God will help bring us back. The power of the Holy Spirit can help us resist the enemy's lies and temptations and help us to avoid those sinful desires that the enemy places in our path. Look, I'm sure that a lot of us can look back on our lives and we can see how God has moved people, circumstances, situations around in ways that only he could in ways that only he could to bring about his purposes in, a, in our lives in a way that would bring honor and glory to him. So every day you can pray for God's will, God's plan, and God's purposes to be accomplished in your life. And finally, you can also pray for God's protection. Listen to these three verses that we read through in chapter 8. In verse 31, it says, If God's for us, who can be against us? Verse 35 says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? In verse 38, we read, it says, neither life, angels, demons, neither the present, the future, nor any powers, no height, depth, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Those are some powerful promises of his protection for our lives. So here's the deal. We, when we're facing struggles, when we're facing challenges, these things in our life, the enemy can look big. God's bigger. The enemy can look strong. Our God is stronger. The enemy can look pretty fierce. Our God is more powerful. So whatever struggle you're facing, I want to encourage you. There is no path that he can't make straight. There's no problem that's too complicated for him to solve. There's no relationship that's too broken for him to mend. And there's nobody's heart that's been too damaged or is too hard for him to heal. There's nobody beyond the reach and the love of God. For us, we can be reminded in Psalm 91.9, though, 91.1, that he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High rests in the shadow of the Almighty. 
You want to live under God's protection. Stay right there. Dwell in the shelter of the Most High, and you will rest. You will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. So, can we all agree we're going to go through struggles in life? Yeah, we can, okay? So to get through them, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to guide our steps. We can claim who we are. We understand whose we are. And we can claim God's promises, purpose, and protection over our lives. Let's close, okay? If you're able, you want to stand with me, uh, I'd invite you to stand. Let's just bow our head, close our eyes. And I just want to offer you an opportunity. Today, no one's looking around. If, if you have some type of issue, some struggle that, that you need today, that you need to know what to do, and you need to say, God, I need to turn that over to you, and you just want to tell God that you've got something you want to turn over to him and ask for the Holy Spirit to guide your next steps. If that's you, just raise your hand. Okay, okay, hands are up. Okay, so Lord, today, you see our hands. God, you know the things we're facing in our lives. And Father, today, uh, we just know that what we want to do is we want to release those things to you. God, we need your help. Holy Spirit, we invite you into every struggle that we're facing. We ask you to equip us, to guide us, help us to know what to say, what to do, when, when to wait, when to be patient, when to move. Holy Spirit, we, we look to you for guidance, and we trust you to guide our steps. We ask these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.